Good evening, Patriots. And today is Monday, October 10th in the year 2022. And I'm getting some strange feedback that somehow this show is apparently listed as now this is they're saying the show isn't live. The show is live. So if you're it's reboot your app if you're having trouble. Seriously, because someone else is having trouble. So check it out. It's better. So anyway, it's uh, October 10th in the year 2022. And on the East Coast, you, of course, have entered into Tuesday, which is very cool. All right. So, Patriots, before we begin, you know where to get your best pillow products. And you know who the best pillow product manufacturer is. And that would be... My pillow. So take a listen to this message from Mike Lindell. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and in light of the recent events, your continued support means everything to myself and my employees. To thank you for having the biggest sale ever on all my pillow bedding. Get my pillow bed sheets for as low as $29.98, a set of pillowcases for only $9.98. In this economy, instead of buying a new bed, rejuvenate your bed with a my pillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. We also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles, like plush, waffle, or gossamer, for as low as $29.98. We even have pet blankets from small size to the ones for your car. Get huge discounts on duvets, quilts, down comforters, and so much more. So go to MyPillow.com or call that number on your screen, use your promo code, and you'll get huge discounts on all my pillow bedding, including my pillow bed sheets for as low as $29.98. Get all your shopping in while quantities last. Please order now. Yeah, that would be mypillow.com forward slash bards. Promo code is your bards code, B-A-R-D-S. And you can also call 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939 to talk to a Patriot pillow counselor. Use your promo code bards. You know, Mike Lindell's pretty amazing. I don't know if you heard, but when the FBI surrounded this heavily armed pillow salesman, at an Arby's. Man, FBI, you are so dangerous. Taking down the worst criminals in the world. At an Arby's. I bet FBI was... I wonder if they stole his, stole his sandwich, too. Probably ate it. But anyway, I don't know if you heard, but Mike literally went on the offensive with Jesus. And he uh, told him that they told the FBI they needed to get some Jesus. And apparently a couple of the guys, at least one of them, was talking to him going, do you really think we're doing wrong? I, it's like, dude, you need to repent. Seriously. Take a listen to this. You think things were bad there. This is just getting worse by the second. This comes from Paul Sperry. Developing the Pentagon-housed U.S. Capitol Police Lieutenant Michael Byrd at Andrews Air Force Base after he shot and killed unarmed Ashley Babbitt on January 6, 2021. Judicial Watch is suing for documents related to his billeting to understand why the Defense Department also was involved in the apparent cover-up of Byrd's identity and role in the improper shooting. Byrd declined to cooperate with internal affairs investigators as real clear investigations first reported witnesses, including etc etc so this is crazy it just continues to get dumber all the any every day here's another one internal fbi records reveal a, a frantic peter storzik 
and Crossfire Hurricane team went into overdrive in days after Trump's surprise November 8, 2016 victory. Friends, the activity include discussing the creation of a special Trump unit, holding secure video teleconferences to discuss next moves, expanding travel budget for Crossfire agents, analysts, drafting memo, laying out future. In other words, the Nazis went a little crazy. That's okay. We're getting eyes to see. Patriots, I'm going to I'm going to go over a couple interesting passages tonight and kind of talk about those. We're going to start tonight with Luke um 35, I'm sorry, Luke 18:35 to 43. And start here and then we'll start talking about some things. Now as Jesus was approaching Jericho, a man was blind was sitting by the road begging. But when he heard a crowd going by, he began inquiring what it was. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, regain your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. I find this passage, I'm going to dig into this passage a little bit before we go on to the next. This is all I'm really going to focus on eyes to see tonight. See, this is really one of the big things here is as he's calling out to him, the crowd is telling him to be quiet. And that whole phrase right there encapsulates so much of what's going on in so many churches across this nation. And it's they're getting so fixated on the rigidity of the legalist reading of doctrine that they're forgetting the power and they're restricting God and God's ability to move through people. We have been absolutely told, and it's and I'm going to read it because it's so important right here, red letter language, and you know where I'm going. John 14, 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. So Jesus is doing healing. We're told that the one who believes in me, the one who believes in Jesus, the works that I do, he will do also. And in this moment, when Jesus himself is doing the healing, but the crowd is telling the man to be quiet. And the man is speaking to Jesus, and he screams out to Jesus, which is really kind of what we're, so many are doing. They're trying to reach out to the Lord past the walls and the prisons of the church because the walls of the church, for too many, have become prisons. And they become prisons because they're not allowing the power of the Lord to move through people. They're not allowing the power of the Lord to just completely fill them up and, and just the power of the Holy Spirit to just take them over. 
And the problem with that is when you start to get into the rigidity of how you're supposed to obey, apparently, according to what certain people are saying, then you get fixated on the walls of the church and the walls of the church become a prison. And in this case, because the man was willing to scream past the walls and not listen to those around him that were telling him to be quiet, don't be heard, shun, go away. Jesus turned. Jesus is looking for the heart of the courageous. He's looking for those that are not trying to be obedient to everything. And I can, we can establish that so many different ways. Remember the passage where he's down praying and, the, and his, his disciples come to him. It's, Master, Master, where have you been? We've been looking all over for you. And he's, I've been praying by the water. And it's like, well, the crowd's waiting for you. And he's like, let's move on to the next village. I need to complete what I've come out to do. He doesn't go back and say goodbye. He doesn't go around and hang around and do autographs because that's not his mission. He's not there for himself. He's there to pass on and complete the mission of Father God. And the disciples are trying to get him to go back because the crowd is waiting, but Jesus is like, no, we're moving on. They've already got his message. And yet in the process of this as moving on, if you want to look at it in that context, and it's not the same moment, obviously, but he's moving on. One man screams out over the walls in spite of those telling him, hush, hush, go away, be quiet. Don't make a wake, don't make noise. And he makes a wake and he makes noise. And Christ turns to him and says, what can I do for you? He says, Lord, I want my sight back. And what's so important here Regain your sight. Your faith has made you well. Where's his faith? His faith was in Jesus. His faith was in Jesus. And he demonstrated his faith because he was willing, after just learning it was Jesus of Nazareth, after just learning this, he's willing to take the risk of being ostracized around people to stand boldly and say, Lord, hear me. Hear me. And Jesus does, and he responds. You know, this last week, I was at the men's camp in down with Glad Tidings Church. And as I told you, about 50% of the guys that were there have done hard time. Have done, not do, are doing. Be clear about the tense. Have done. They're out. And part of Glad Tidings' big operation is to work with them, that they, they work closely with the prisons and the juvenile system. And they have a very active and robust program of bringing people through that are out of probation into a halfway house type arrangement where they give them jobs and they get them into the church and they pray. And they do a lot of other work there to help them release themselves from the bondages of their pain in the past. And the testimonies are everywhere. And every one of these guys has gone through a lot of pain. And the thing is, they represent a class of people that, if it's not for work like Glad Tidings, they're just cast aside. Public doesn't want to be around them like, oh, you're, you're a convict. Oh, oh, trust me. <laughs> I'm just having my 20 days in jail and 
like 30 articles on the first day written about me. And then I don't know how many more were done afterwards telling everybody that I was a felon, which I'm not because all those charges were sealed and thrown out. But my point is, even to this day, people will be like, I have a problem with you. I saw this article in the Denver paper. And it's like, yeah, that was 2017. And it's already resolved. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but see, people don't let it go because the system that we're in is designed to make sure that you stay down. If you make a mistake, you're supposed to stay down. And the worst ones, I'm going to be straight up with you. The worst ones to obsess about that are the Christians, the church Christians, because they don't forgive. They look at their like, you're imperfect. You have a stain on you. I can't trust you with the word of God. Well, welcome to the life of the Pharisees. And that's what it becomes. And that's what so much of this culture has become. You want to see Jesus? Go look for him. He's hanging out with tax collectors, prostitutes. He's listening to the man on the side of the street that other people are telling to shut up. And he's like, no, heck no, man. I'm reaching out to the king of to Nazareth, and I'm going to reach out here. And see, I, I'll tell you honestly, I felt so at home with that men's group. I have, I met real men. And let me tell you what a definition of a real man is. Somebody who's done, has stumbled many times. Some people have done some incredibly difficult, bad things maybe. I don't know. They've suffered through some unbelievably horrific stories of their youth. Almost every one of them has suffered through abuse particularly abuse, and I mean horrible abuse, by their father. They don't even know what a father is. I've told you that's true, and I've met these men. They've done hard time in jail. One guy I met was the, used to be, he used to be the gun runner for the cartels. Another guy was a drug trafficker in India. That guy right there. He is the kindest person I've ever met, runs the greatest. He plays amazing guitar, sings for Jesus. Every one of these men that have now been through hard times, when they have been brought back and given a chance and shown Jesus, I have not been around men that are running so hard, so fast to reach more of Jesus in my life. There was so much Holy Spirit in there, you could literally just taste it. And it is so powerful. And they know it. And they seek it. And you know, the most amazing thing is, I just couldn't believe how much they welcomed me. I told my story. Episode 64, for those of you that are new, if you want to go back and listen to my story, please do. I'd encourage you to. And we... We literally we hugged, we cried, we prayed together. And these are truly strong men. And then later I got a chance to see them at the church on Saturday. And they were with their families, with their children. They were remaking that legacy into something glorious in the, in the image of Jesus and at the feet of God. This is what Jesus does. He heals in profound ways, and he gives sight where we are blind. And it's outside of anything that we do because we get fixated on the wrong things. We, it's like this guy, right? Jesus, Jesus, and they're saying, shh, shh, you're going 
do that. That's Jesus of Nazareth. Don't be unusual. I know you're blind, but heck with you. Go away because you're going to make us look bad. That's at the core of that. And he's like, he's Jesus of Nazareth. I need to talk to him. I think he can heal me. I trust in him. I believe in him. I have faith. And what does Jesus say? Regain your sight. Your faith has made you well. We really have to get in our head the power that Jesus is in this world, and we have to trust in it. And that means that, like here, these are miracles, and they happen. When we put our trust in Jesus, miracles happen. I witnessed miracles of a magnitude of many because these are men that society says should never get another chance. That's what society says. And unfortunately, many, even in churches, say the same thing. I can't trust him. He may be in the church, but I can't trust him. That dude's got some tattoos. You know, I literally met with somebody like four or five, it was six years ago. I remember the meeting well because we were down in South Carolina. And, and yes, I do have a tattoo on my, on my thigh or on my calf. And a buddy of mine has a tattoo. And this lady says, you have tattoos? You know that if you get tattoos, you're going to hell. I'll, I'll forgive you guys because you had been in Afghanistan, but I'll pray for you because if you have tattoos, you're going to hell. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, thanks. I, I feel better already. I'm saved. And <laughs> I'm telling you, I, these guys are like, you know, full arm tattoos, neck tattoos. And I'm telling you right now, they're, they have so much Jesus in their heart. I, I've met few. And the amazing thing is I've told you this before. When I was in jail for 20 days, that was a place there was more Holy Spirit in there than most churches I've been in. And it's the same when you bring those men together. Eyes to see. Because they've been on the worst side of society. They've suffered by the worst hands. They've been in the worst places. And they've been in the place that they've realized that the only thing that will get them through it's not going to be your credit card. It's not going to be going to a movie. It's not going to be turning on the TV. It's not going to be burying your sorrows in a bottle or shooting yourself up with something to make it all go away. The only way through is to embrace Jesus and to pursue him with all your heart in the worst of hours. And through that, they get through it. And with that, given the opportunity as they come out, and big hat tip, to Glad Tidings Church because they have such an aggressive outreach program into the prisons. They they get to know them well before they get out and they work with them early on. And by the time they come out and bring them into the program, these men get a new life. And they show it because now they have families and they have little children and they have wives. And they have sons and daughters. And they're in a community, in a church that embraces them, doesn't run from them, and celebrates them, and celebrates their love in Jesus as they all do, and as we all should. It's pretty amazing. Mark 8, 22 to 26. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a man who was blind to Jesus 
and begged him to touch him. This is really interesting. Take a listen. Taking the man who was blind by the hand, he brought him out of the village and after spitting in his eyes and laying hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? Now, first of all, they asked him to lay a hand on the blind man, and Jesus didn't. He took him out, a blind man. He's guiding a blind man. He takes him out of the village. And then after spitting on his hand and laying hands on him, he asks him, do you see anything? And he says to me, and he, and he looked up and said, I see people, for I see them like trees walking around, meaning he doesn't have clear sight. This is the only time that we see that Jesus now goes into a second prayer to heal him. And he says, then again, he laid hands on his eyes and he looked intently and was restored and he began to see everything clearly. Only time that we see Jesus having to heal him to do prayer twice on somebody to heal them. And then he says this, and he sent him to, to his home saying, do not even enter the village. I find that amazing. He is telling him that if you go back to the place you were, you will, he's warning him, don't go back. Because the implied is, if you go back, you will get, it will become worse for you. You'll re, you will lose your sight again. We have to be very cognizant of where we are and who we're with. And the problem is that we tend to want to go back to our places like everything is okay. We go through these processes, we accept Christ, we start to live a Christ-like life, and then somehow it's like, well, I'm just gonna go, I, I'm gonna go back and hang out with my buddies and they'll leave me alone. They're still drinking, they're still doing this or that. That's not as we should be. We have to make changes in our life. And as we gain sight, we're going to have to continue to either have people walk with us or we're going to have to separate some with them in order to keep that integrity within Christ. That's just it. It doesn't mean we aren't able to talk to people and go intermingle with people. But in our life, what we're building around our homes and our life, it has to be a fortress of God. And as we open up those avenues to say, like, we're going to bring in heavy sin, it's going to affect us too. Our lives, when we are in and walking with Christ, it's, a, it's powerful, it's clear, it's exciting, it's, it's fearless. But it's a place where we have to work diligently to keep that strength and that focus and that God energy, if you will, that God-centric, that God power around us. And it's important. I mean, one of the powers of bringing so many people together like you do at a men's camp or as we come into a, a great congregation is that we're all there with the same heart and we're, we're praying and worshiping, we're raising this up. But eyes to see is a big thing. It's both in metaphor and both in real. And giving sight, as Jesus did, is a profound gift, and it is one that transforms and it brings with him and to them the true understanding of the power of Father God, even in metaphor. 
Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. Snakes and scorpions of old. The scorpions were can be seen in the representation of occult magic in the time of Egypt. There were where is a scorpion god, and it brought sickness to people. Snakes. Obviously, we are dealing with the serpent in that and all that it does. And those sorts of authorities we have over us, but it's part of us taking authority over them. And so much of that centers on our relationship with Christ and our ability to maintain that in all our circumstances. Truly, truly, I say to you, and again, John 14, 12, truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. I just, I always, I did this all weekend. I just asked the question, do you believe in that phrase? Do you believe it? Because that's not about me. It's not about you. It's about what Jesus has told us in red letter language. And do you believe it's possible? Because it's not a metaphor. That's pre-cross. That's not implied. It's pre-cross. And to suggest otherwise is to suggest that then Jesus wasn't telling the truth, which would be impossible because then he wouldn't be the son of God. But that phrase is important to grasp because what is being said there is very clear and it rests on our willingness to truly trust in him and believe what he said, which would mean that healing hands-on would be possible for us allowing Jesus to work through us. Let me be clear about that. Hands-on healing would therefore be possible allowing Jesus to work through us if we truly believe in what he said. And unfortunately, too much that happens today in the conventional church is that said to be like, oh, don't do that. That's not, that's not possible. You don't want to do that. You're getting into that sort of black magic stuff. This isn't black magic. This is what's been put to us to truly move forward in life. I want to share with you a story, and I'm, you won't mind. It's a story that was shared to me today by Pastor Dave. It's pretty awesome. And I love the story because of the magnitude of what it represents with the power of Jesus and the power of God. One of the things that if you have done any work around what I would call ancient cultures, that could be First Nations like Native Americans, that can be people in the Middle East, there's something that you learn pretty quickly, that they have a real deep, deep respect and sometimes even fear of the spirit realm. And so that's an important context to have because we tend to have a very reasoned, which comes from the age of reason. Our approach is if I don't see it and I can't prove it, it doesn't exist. And so it limits our ability to see a lot of our world. And in my opinion, it limits the potential of what we can accomplish with God because we keep boxing God in instead of letting him flow through us and provide whatever he's willing to give us in massive ways. So 
again, this is Pastor Davis. He shared this story with me this morning, and, and I, was, I just thought it was awesome, and I'm just going to share it with you. So he was teaching at one point in Hawaii. There's a school over there he's teaching at, and he does a lot of work in the area of spiritual warfare. And he was approached by a man who was from one of the islands over by Australia. There's a whole chain of little islands over there. And he says, I'd like to have you come to visit. Pastor Dave says, okay, why? He says, well, he says, believe it or not, and this is a true story, by the way. He said, believe it or not, our country's national sport is black magic. Every three years, the warlocks come together and they cast spells. And whoever has the greatest spell wins the trophy and they get to keep it for three years until the nation comes back together again. He said, and we've been introduced to Christianity and we've been introduced to Jesus. But in our world, where we see things, we're told to follow Jesus. But if we get sick, then we have to go use medicine and we, that doesn't help us. So the people do go out quietly and they meet with the shamans and they get healed. And then they're told that they're all doing heresy and it's all black magic. And so it doesn't, Christianity doesn't stick because we don't see your God is very powerful. So Dave says, okay, invite me. So he goes over, flies over, gets there, and he's told about two tribes that are warring. They're having a black magic war. And, and this is like one of these things where I don't know where you're at with all this stuff, and I, it's not even important because I just want you to hear the story because it's really, to me, it just, it's just got great stuff in it. So, And I, I also want this, I'm going to articulate as the story was told to me, so it's really important, I think, how this was all presented. So the, he gets there and he meets the, the king, the tribal leader, the king of the losing tribe. And he's on his deathbed. He's dying. In the meantime, he's lost to, and this is the whole war is being fought through black magic spells. They're doing blood ritual sacrifices against each other and the whole thing. And so the um, king has lost two sons. They're both dead. His nephew is on his deathbed, and his one remaining son, the prince, is so scared that he's having them do blood sacrifices for them just to keep these powers of protection around him. So Dave says, can you get the uh, king to sit up a bit so I can talk to him? And they said, yeah, we can. And he says, I'd like to introduce to you to the one great God of all things that will bring great blessings to your tribe. And then tribe says or the king says okay i'm interested do we have to do a sacrifice for him and dave says nope that's already been done he sacrificed his son to remove to take away all your sins but you have to believe in his son and you have to make a covenant with his son he says okay we can do that he says so what's this covenant entail he says well there's a few things he says, first thing is you have to stop having, sleeping with everybody on the island just because you're king. You have to take one wife for the rest of your life, and you can't have sex with everybody you want or any sex you want. King says, hmm, that could be a little difficult for me. And Dave says, okay, then you'll die. And the king says, well, I don't want to die. He says, then that's part of the deal. It's not easy for any of us, but that's just part of the deal. He says, okay, I can accept that. 
He says, you got another thing you got to do. You got to stop eating people. This is for real, by the way. (laughs) And Dave says, the guy, the king looks at him and says, okay, we can do that. We'll eat pigs instead. He's like, all right, cool. And so, yeah, they were cannibalistic, by the way. These blood rituals were really real. This is no kidding. So, and he says, he goes on the list of other things in, in relationship to what we do in walking with Christ. King agrees to him. And so then he says, well, I got to talk to the prince. So he talks to the prince. And he tells the son the same thing about can't sleep with everybody on the island. And the prince is like, I, I'm young. I can't do that. Dave's like, all right, fine. You're already getting these curses are being thrown at you. You're going to die anyway. So you can die. The prince says, I need 24 hours. And the prince comes back 24 hours later and says, okay, I can do that. So they go through the whole thing, and Dave baptizes the king, puts him, he accepts Jesus, does the same with the prince, baptizes him, he blesses him, gives, they accept Jesus, and he says, now as a king, you have to tell your people about Jesus. And he stands up, and he tells them about Jesus, and this, we've now are embracing Jesus and we're doing this. This is the one God that will bring great blessings to us all. And Dave says they all stand there like, we like that. We'll take it. Good. We're in. And he saves the entire tribe. That tribe that was doing black magic over there. They moved off the island because now they realized they were losing. And the prince then starts to go around to all the other islands and evangelizing and converts them all to Jesus. That is just the power when we go in with the confidence and the love and the clarity of what we're trying to do, which is to bring people to Jesus. He's not bringing, he's not beating them over the head with scripture. He's just laying it out simple in terms they get and they all relate to because they understand whether you agree or disagree is irrelevant. Their world lives in a spirit realm and they have great respect for the power of the spirit realm, but they're chasing the wrong God. And as they're introduced to the one almighty one God, the God of the host, the, the Lord of hosts. Oh, by the way, when, when Dave baptizes the king who was on his deathbed, instantly healed. And he's up and people see it and they're like, what was that? And just like that, the whole tribe converted to Jesus. See, and that's back to John 14, 12. I'm going to tell you, I, I, worked with him enough now that man has a he just walks with jesus truly truly i say to you the one who believes in me the works that i do he will do also and greater works than these he will do because i am going to the father that is all truly about just giving ourselves to the holy spirit and it's about truly walking with jesus and just turning ourselves over to him and letting him guide us in the many ways that he does and when we do that Amazing things happen. I have a friend who was cutting hay. He's called me the other day. He's, he, he loves Jesus. And he's been having a rough summer with hay cutting. And he finally they got enough rain that he grew up a good crop of hay. And he cuts it. And then he, I, there's a term for it. I, I'm not good at these terms with farming, but anyway, he, they basically they fluff the hay up into rows 
so that it dries, right? And he gets that done. And he put, goes, gets ready. The next day, he's, he's going to let it dry overnight. And the next day, he's going to bale it. And that evening, it pours. Now, if you know about hay, when hay gets wet, it's good luck because it's going to start rotting on the ground. And he gets up the next day, and the hay is, this just happened, by the way, just like a month ago. The hay is so wet, it's just like droopy, wet spaghetti. So he gets his equipment ready so he can refluff it, but he's like, he says, I am so down at this point in time. He says, so I just prayed to Father. He's like, Father, look, I've been having so many problems with my farming I don't know if you even want me to be in farming anymore. I just need you to tell me what to do because this is just the most devastating thing I've been through recently. And it's just one more thing on another thing that's been happening all summer and I'm ready to give up. But I need you to tell me what to do. And he says he gets right back in his, the message is, don't worry about it, keep going. So he goes to the day and he refluffs the hay and he's he's telling me he's like man I'm I'm praying as I go and I'm just I'm not I, I'm I'm feeling down but I'm just following being obedient to what God's told me and as he finishes late morning he says all of a sudden it gets dry hot like it never is it's not muggy it's dry hot and he says it gets so hot he, he goes inside and he comes back out and the hay is just like it was the day before. It's completely dry and ready to be baled. And the following morning, he bales his whole hay. I don't know if you know much about hay. I don't know a ton, but I know enough to tell you that doesn't happen. And it, to him, he's just, and his response to me was, you know, what I need to be doing is just talking to Father more and listening to what he says. That's the bottom line. That's that intimate and loving relationship with God. See, these are truly miracles if we realize them and recognize them for what they are. And God's got miracles for us. But we have to have literally the eyes to see. We have to be willing to be that one in the crowd that when everyone's telling you, hush, you're going to scream out and holler out, Lord Jesus, you got to be that guy, and I am that guy, driving down the road that's got that invisible friend you're talking to, and it's your Lord Jesus, and you're talking to him, and if people drive by and they're like, who is that whack job? I, my only response would be, I'm the guy talking to Jesus, and if you want to be part of the conversation, then pull up a chair. That's where we've got to walk because as we walk in that amazing and beautiful place of intimacy with Father, it just, the doors, he will open the doors that only he can open and we will see things that are so amazing. See, here's, here's what the old world has that we don't. And it's, we went through the age of reason. Okay. The age of reason lock and Descartes and all these philosophers were basically telling us if you don't see it and you can't prove it, it does not exist. 
And this is how so many were able to arrive at this idea of questioning whether God exists. It's a complete setup. It's garbage. We walk by faith, not by sight. But we've moved into this era now that it's like everything is replaced by what they call science, which is we own the science. We tell you what to think. This is how you shall be. Obey, obey, obey. When we're obeying Father, that is faith. But if we're going to have a true and powerful and intimate respect for all he brings, talk to him. Literally. And he will talk back. I think this is the part that so many I have experienced in my life. I'm not putting this on you, but I'm telling you, there are so many people that just can't go there. They're like, well, I pray to him. It's like, does he talk to you? Well, no, because I just pray to him. Do you talk to him? No. Talk to Father. Talk to Jesus. You know, it's, it's, it's like the hunting thing, and I think I've used this here as an example. The hunter has the passion to hunt, if you know what that's like, or any other passion you have. And you, you're just doing it and doing it. It's like the hunter that loves to hunt, the real hunter that loves to hunt, loves the hunt. The kill is the reward. And if you look at this like pursuing Jesus, I mean, it's the passion to pursue Jesus all the time. And then when you finally make that breakthrough, and whether he touches you or whether he speaks to you, man, I'm telling you, you think you were in love with that before, you're hooked and you're going 100 miles an hour. That's what I witnessed with every one of those guys for two days because every one of them had been touched. So if Jesus is touching the guys that were one-time drug runners or gun runners or whatever else they were, and he's touching them and they felt it and they have that pursuit of Christ and they're running after Father God and they're running after the Holy Spirit. He's going to touch you too. But you just have to throw all in. I mean, you leave nothing on the table, everything on the field. And when that happens, there's so many things that open up. We can't limit God. We can't box him in. We're going to start saying like, well, okay, uh, God's told me to lay hands on people and heal. And it's like, I can't do that. It's dumb. You just stopped it. If God's asked you to lay hands on people and heal, I told you the story up in Plymouth. That was the first time I'd ever done it. Lay hands on somebody and heal. And he told, it's like, that's what you need to do. And I watched the next day I saw with my own eyes, those eyes that were cloudy the day before are as blue and clear as they've ever been. And Christ says he has his sight back and he will regain it all once he sees me. It is for so much of the way we've been raised, this is like supernatural woo-woo stuff. This isn't. This is God stuff. This is kingdom business. This is the walking within the kingdom and the Holy Spirit. And it's alive and it's well and it's on fire. And God is moving boldly right now. And he is unloading unbelievable gifts. He is putting the Holy Spirit within our hearts to raise up the mighty men of God. But we have to be receptive to it and willing to walk in places that others won't walk. We have to be the guy in the crowd where we're speaking out, calling Lord Jesus. And people are saying, be quiet. And you're like, no, that's Jesus. You be quiet. I'm going to speak to Jesus. And of course, what do they do? The minute that they see the miracle, they're like, oh God, wonderful God. But had they 
And that's the other part of that story is they would have never done any of that because they would have silenced the one man that had the courage, that had the faith to reach to Jesus, and Jesus gave him sight back because he had such faith. Have faith, patriots. Trust in what God has given us. Trust in the ability to do works that he did and greater works than he because he has gone to the Father and he is there with us opening up everything for us to have. All we have to do is open our hearts and believe in him and let him move through us in mighty ways. Don't restrain God. And there you have the power before you. All you have to do is say, send me. And when you say that and you open your heart, there are no limits that God will, will put before you. You can climb any mountain. You can conquer anything. You can heal as we are called to do. You can share the love of Jesus as we are called to do. You can cast out demons. You can do the whole thing. Those are the tasks of what we should be doing in this world. And when we embrace that, there is no evil that can stand before us. None. And it all comes back to the simple trust and love in our Savior, Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we are here tonight and you are with us and we are so blessed. Just reflecting on the words that you gave us to remember the stories that you provided us to see, giving sight back. And with eyes to see, we begin to embrace the greatest gift of all, your love and the Holy Spirit that's within us to be able to take on any mountain, to overcome anything, to extend the love of the kingdom, to heal those that need healing, to raise up the many, and to do so all as part of the body of Christ and with you working through us. Father God, tonight we just pray for the blessing over all that are listening that touch, that magnificent, gloriful touch that you can provide to inspire, to give people that hunger to run after your love, to pursue it relentlessly, to have the hunger and thirst. It can't be quenched to constantly race after it, to pursue it, to fulfill ourselves with it and continue to reach to you. And no matter how difficult things get, to always look to you and say, Lord, how can I serve you better? This is the mightiness of the remnant that now stands and begins to rise. And so, Father, we just pray for the greatness of that to flow through all that listen and hear this tonight. The mightiness of a remnant that pursues your love relentlessly, and that's all that we can taste. That's all that we can see. That's all that we reach for. And as we do, to be able to bring the miracles back to the earth. Guide us, Father, bless us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. These are amazing times. Amazing times.
And it's all there. All we have to do is believe. And then just take away those shackles that have put around our thoughts and the shackles in our hearts that keep telling us, that voice that keeps saying to you, no, 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 you can't do that. Throw that out. No, yes, you can do that. Yes, you can be that great. Because God isn't limiting you. He's not telling you, by the way, I just want you to be a C student. He didn't say that. He wants you to be as great as you want to pursue to be. He wants you to achieve the greatness of what is in your heart. And he's opened the door to do greater works than he. Just believe and believe and pursue and seek to give your love in such an amazing way to the Father, our one Father, the Lord of hosts, because he's there. And he loves every single one of us. And he wants us to be great. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. Man, is he with us. And he will never forsake us. And yes, in the end, God will always win. But he literally put us here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. Because he trusts us and loves us. We're at war. So we walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ and we embrace everything that he's offered to us. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, and subdue that enemy. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Fast.
Get back in my 